0: gary gensler versus kim kardashian i can't believe this this is not on my bingo card what timeline are we living in david bankless nation happy first week of october david what time is it ryan it's the bankless friday
1: weekly roll up where we cover the entire weekly news in crypto which is always an ambitious endeavor yet
0: we persevere nonetheless into the frontier with coffee with coffee grab your coffee hot Mm -hmm. tea join Mm us as we venture into crypto, tell you what happened in the week that was in crypto. This is the fastest way to get all of the crypto updates. Every week, David and I do this, comes out on Friday mornings, and we try to consolidate everything you need to know in about 90-ish minutes. Sometimes we get to 90-ish minutes, David. But what are we gonna be covering this week? What's coming in at number one? Coming in at number one, Credit Suisse, the three arrows
1: capital of TradFi, Lehman Brothers 2.0, or a bunch of finger mongering, we will discuss. Ryan, what's coming up after that?
0: We also have Gary Gensler versus Kim Kardashian. I can't believe this. This is not on my bingo card. What timeline are we living in, David? And uh, which one's actually doing the clout chasing? Because hmm. it's not quite clear. Hmm. We'll talk about that. What else we got? And then a smattering of a bunch of other pretty cool stuff. Coinbase documentary,
1: uh, a, coin, a documentary about Brian Armstrong and the rise of Coinbase, which I'm really excited for. That is coming out today at the time of listening, uh, followed by the three arrows capital starry night NFT fund liquidation. So, you know, get ready. Get your get your wallets ready if you're an NFT collector, because there's some good NFTs coming out. And then, sadly, Solana is down once again. Well, it got, it's back up now, but it went down once again. Just so a tiny
0: outage. A tiny we, little, wee outage. Wee little outage. Little outage. Yeah. yeah. No big deal at all. <laughs> and of course, guys, if you enjoy this weekly roll-up, you can like it, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening, wherever you are watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. So you get notifications as these things come out. Um, all right, let's get to markets. What is Bitcoin doing in the markets this week? We up, we down? We up a decent
1: amount, three and a half percent. Bitcoin started the week at below $20,000 at 19400 ish. And we are above Twenty thousand dollars, at least at the time of recording at twenty thousand one hundred dollars. So eyeballs right above waterline.
0: Right above ah, waterline. Let's line. play that happy music. I'll take a three point five percent in these trying times. How about mm-hmm. ETH price? Is that up too, please? Yep, up a little bit, up a little kay. smidge, a
1: little bit over one percent. Uh very marginally over one percent, <laughs> start of the week at thirteen fifty. We are at thirteen sixty five. So we went up fifteen dollars. Okay, fifteen dollars. Remember when fifteen dollars uh, was actually
0: nothing and now it's actually something? Oh. There was a time when the price of ETH was just $15. So uh, aren't we blessed? I, I, don't, I don't remember that time. Aren't actually. we blessed? For that. <laughs> These are ancient times. <laughs> few few remember. Few were here. Mm-hmm. Uh, ETH Bitcoin, the ratio. What are we looking at on the week? Uh,
1: Bitcoin ratio down, I think, like a percent, a little bit over a percent. We are down to 0.678. 0.678 so flattish. Back in flat, that crap season down, for down. the
0: ETH yeah. Bitcoin ratio. Um, mm-hmm. How are we like historically? We're still up from the July 22 lows, I guess. I'm looking at this from a, a year long basis. But yeah, look I mean, at the if five you year. zoom all
1: the way out, the ETH ratio has been fantastic.
0: Like the ETH ratio last bear market. I mean, look at those, David. ETH ratio 2019
1: into 2020. God, point, remember when it went down to 0.018? That was when I was like.
0: Okay, I, I don't I don't have to go back to school, right? <laughs> <I>
1: <laughs> Honestly, mean, this, is, uh, this is still irrational,
0: right? <laughs> no, no, no. This time was basically like Oh, I'm going to start a newsletter because the ratio shouldn't be this low. And we were like, this is when we started the Bankless Podcast uh-huh, in 2020. Yeah. We were like, this yep. is stupid. We People started it see- at the absolute bottom of the, <laughs> of e- the, BTC of the ratio. Radio. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's because yeah. I felt at the time that DeFi and ETH were going completely yeah. underappreciated yeah. relative to Bitcoin, totally, which totally. is fantastic in and of itself. So, uh, yeah, look at the trajectory. Since the Bankless Podcast was launched, David, it's been up only. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be some causation. It's not correlation. All right. Uh, Global crypto
1: market cap. We below a trill? Uh, Just barely above. one point zero 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 three trillion trillion is the total crypto market cap. There's some zeros in there.
0: Happy music. Uh, Well, let's talk about the Fed. Everything hinges upon the Fed these days. And we've been talking so much. I think all of crypto is talking about a pivot. So when is the Fed? Pivot going to to be when
1: merge now when pivot
0: when pivot when is the fed going to start ratcheting down right it's when is it when our easy monetary policy uh when's that coming back i mean does that feel like uh like we're bad austrians to say that like please fed give us an easy (laughs) monetary policy (laughs) can
1: you please print some more money i mean i love some of that money printer that
0: that's that's not exactly like why we're saying it's just like inevitability right at some point we're trying to like forecast what the market's going to do and because macro markets right now have such an influence over the prices of everything we're trying to anticipate when Jerome Powell is going to pivot because David it seems inevitable that he has to pivot at yeah. some point. Yeah. I know he's trying to slay, break the back of inflation. Has that already happened yet? Is that just a, a lagging indicator? I uh, don't know, but we do know there's a lot of pressure on the Fed to start this pivot now. i will go over a few of those pressure points right now. Number one, the stock market has had its worst year in more than a decade, and it keeps getting worse. This is a headline from uh, time.com, I believe. And um, this is actually the worst start to any year in the stock stock market since 20 uh since 2002 post 9/11 year post dot com crash year the wow. worst start to any year since 2002 and we are down in the S&P around like negative 25% Nasdaq negative 32%. So US stocks are heading for their th- this feels almost like a 2009 financial crisis in the stock market. That is one pressure point. Now you might say, and I might agree with you, actually, um, that Powell doesn't care about the stock market. He's I think to, some, to, yeah. I think to some extent that's true. I wonder how much that's true. So that, that is pressure point one, David. Pressure point two is there's some rattlings beginning uh, around the world from other countries that aren't in a position to raise rates in quite the way that the Fed is. Um, the first is the UN so international body, and they are calling on the Fed and other central banks to halt interest rate increases. They're saying, I'm going to quote this, the Federal Reserve and other central banks risk pushing the global economy into recession, followed by prolonged stagnations, uh, stagnation if they keep raising interest rates. It's interesting. I didn't know hmm. the Fed advised, or the uh, UN advised on economic policy in this way, but you know some of these voices are surfacing as well. And further... We are starting to see other central banks begin their soft pivot. Now, the Fed hasn't, Powell hasn't, but mm-hmm. Japan just spent uh, $20 billion on intervention to support the yen. So the Fed, the US dollar wrecking ball is destroying other fiat currencies, including the yen, is losing ground relative to the dollar. And so Japan is actually printing money to intervene to support the yen. We also talked a little bit about the UK pension crisis last week, David. Well, Mm -hmm. um, Bank of England is working to bail that out as well. They are buying long dated UK government bonds. Um, That started, that process started last week. So some of these other central banks are beginning to pivot. And I'm thinking this is putting more pressure on Powell for a pivot at some point soon. Now, we're not getting we're still getting very hawkish messages, I think from Powell and uh, and the Fed so far that you know they intend to continue raising rates, uh, you know, want to break the back of inflation. But you, you almost wonder if that lasts. like past maybe November midterms, like past maybe some of this increasing economic pressure from other central bankers. Uh, past maybe? Did you get a chance to see this graph, David? Yeah, I what did. are we looking yeah. at here?
1: Mm. Yeah, we're looking at the supply of oil reserves. Uh, and so people might have noticed, except in California, I've heard California uh, gas prices are still super high, but gas prices overall are just down. Like I've seen like three and a half dollar gas in New York, maybe four dollars. Other people are talking like gasoline prices are down. Well, so is our supply of gasoline reserves. So it used to be at at its peak in like uh, 2010, 750 million barrels. It was at 650 million barrels up until 2020. And it has just dropped off a cliff going down to 350 million barrels. So it's halved. And it hasn't been like that since like 1982. So we have the lowest supply of oil reserves since 1982. And the tweet here, the political tweet, is saying that Biden is on track to p- uh, practically empty our strategic oil reserves to make sure Democrats get elected in November. As in, wanting to push down the price of, bear- of oil to have political clout. Say, hey, look what we did. Like, gas prices aren't bad, uh, but that's because we're just like draining our supplies. We're draining our reserves. You don't. You don't. That's not oil out of the ground. That is like oils we've saved up. That's our savings of oil. It has been halved in the last like two years, uh, and so. I think the story here with everything that you just said and also this, it's like the, the we can see the sidewalk running out. Like there's not less and less like roadway here. It does, we don't really know how much roadway is left. Uh, but I'm also reminded of that that one famous internet gif where like there's a car hurtling towards like a wall and then as soon as it, it was about to crash, the camera cuts to a different angle and the car's about <laughs> to crash again. And then as repeats. soon as it gets close to the wall, the camera cuts again and then the car's further away. You, so it's one of these things like, it yeah, just we're, repeats we're forever. We're yeah. And it just repeats forever. And then yeah. one time it actually does crash. Yeah. But you don't actually know. Like, so we're seeing all the we're seeing the roadway run out. But we also don't know how much roadway is is left. Right. So like we could be talking about this, I don't know, maybe for the rest of the year It's like, oh, there's a pivot soon. There's a pivot soon.
0: So one day it will actually happen. Uh, how much roadway we have left? TBD. Yeah, three months, six months, a year. Uh, mm-hmm. No one knows. I don't even think Powell and the you know the Fed actually know what the breaking point might be uh, and when they will start that pivot. But although um, if
1: you if you do trend like trend out this trajectory of oil reserves, it goes to zero in like guesstimate like napkin napkin November. trajectory here like soon quickly <laughs> December yeah uh-huh. something like this by Christmas we have no oil yeah. uh-huh. the U S strategic
0: uh-huh. reserves. I'm laughing about this, but this seems a little serious. It's a like, little dark. Yeah. This doesn't seem like it's a good thing. Um, well, well, this is
1: this is why this world is so weird right now. Is like the more bearish things get, like the more bullish it becomes because then we have to pivot and print more money. So it's it's just weird, weird state of things. I guess
0: it's it's more bullish for commodities. It's more bullish for things that can't be inflated for non fiat currencies, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're definitely living in this uh, in this fiat world, a hollow world per our podcast episode that we just recorded with Ben Hunt that's coming mm-hmm. at you guys in a, in a couple of months. He has this uh, phrase. He a couple of weeks. Couple likes, weeks. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, a couple of weeks. He like has this phrase he likes to use call, calling the world uh, very hollow right now. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we're seeing. Um, but some words to look for. If you are looking for signs of a pivot, the language of a pivot maybe comes at us from Matthew Pines. This is a tweet. It won't be QE that is quantitative easing. They won't use those terms anymore. Okay. It will be restoring financial stability when we see the Fed pivot. It won't be YCC, that is, yield curve control. It will be fixing market dysfunction. It won't be called a bailout. It will be extingent and unusual circumstances. It won't be indefinite debt monetization. It will be a targeted, limited intervention. This is the Fed doublespeak, I think. So look for this kind of... These kind of uh, words in the future when it, when you want to tell if the Fed is uh, beginning to pivot. Restoring financial stability, fixing market dysfunction, responding to unusual circumstances, and targeted limited interventions. I think this is- uh, Or
1: words like this, yeah. Yes, Mm -hmm. this is
0: central bankers speak. This is how they Mm -hmm. they speak when they are intervening. And they have to to use different words than last cycle because those ones don't work anymore. They're dead. They've gotten bad press. The alpha has been squeezed out of those. We have to invent new words. (laughs) So watch for that. Um, What's happening in crypto though? Layer 2 is having a moment.
1: Yeah, so this is the optimism. We've reported on this a number of times every every other week or so. Optimism makes a new highs with transactions per month, uh, and so uh, what was this last month? September September was no exception, coming in at four point five point one million transactions in the month of September, which is a new high, uh, and that the the another high was set last month. The, the high before that was June. The high before that was the month before that. The high before that was the month before that. So like optimism is in a transactional bull market. And I'm pretty sure Arbitrum is the same. And so this is like, and my, mo- my mental model for how, if we're going to play this bear market out is that some things just crescendo for the entire bear market. And this is something we're seeing. It's like, it's kind demand, of that slow build, slow build. Slow build. You know what Uh, this reminds
0: me of is um, right before DeFi summer 2020, we had like months, many months of like more total locked value. Total TVL
1: and DeFi. Increasing.
0: Just bit by bit. Just by bit by bit. And we would Mm -hmm. look at it and you have to like bring your magnifying glass and like zoom up really close on the charts to actually see. The TVL going up, but it was in you know increasing never, from never month to month, going up, yeah. and then
1: explosion boom. Uh, as soon as we hit one billion, we hit ten billion. And remember when we hit one billion? Yeah, everyone in, in Ethereum crypto Twitter was talking about one billion locked in TV. <laughs> everyone wanted that first tweet. Uh, we hit ten billion
0: like three months later, and yeah. then there was and then it was the DeFi summer. Yeah, like, DeFi is real. I mean that mm-hmm. kind of proved the use case. But an interesting comparison is um, compare Optimism and Arbitrum uh, to Avalanche. Mm -hmm. Which um, has previously been kind of a darling, and and the number the lines are different here. What are we looking at?
1: Yeah, the the lines are different. Yeah, Bankless analysis. Uh, (laughs) For for both Optimism and Arbitrum have passed Avalanche in daily transactions. Now, Optimism's passed Avalanche before, so has Arbitrum a few times, but this time is different. This time is like meaningfully sustained, uh, and Avalanche is now both below active use of both Optimism and Arbitrum since, I think, the whole month of September. Yeah, uh, almost. Uh, And so this this is different. And this is what we've always been saying, is like these these execution-optimized monolithic layer ones like Avalanche or Solana are not competing with the Ethereum layer one. They're competing with Ethereum layer twos. And now Avalanche is behind two of Ethereum's two leading layer twos. Um, So
0: yeah, congratulations to the optimistic roll-up world. I feel like that thesis has taken a long time to play out. Yeah. And now it is maybe starting to play out. Not the end of the story, so we haven't been proven correct yet. Did Mm -hmm. you know, by the way, David? Still, the number one EVM chain in terms of total user total transactions is still Binance Chain. Yeah, Mm -hmm. by like a large margin, six million or so, uh, four to six million, um, I believe, like per month is what we're looking at here. Mm. What's interesting about this chart that we're looking at? It's um, definitely down, and so it's definitely decreased in uh you know in this bear market relative to layer twos uh that are going up and um look i mean ethereum is kind of steady state well, when well it the comes ethereum to, transactions
1: are maxed out like we can't have any more transactions on the on the layer one anymore
0: <laughs> that's what's interesting is transactions aren't a perfect proxy for actual right. usage so it's yeah, just it's like value one measure among the missing missing m- ma- value here. transfer is super important how much you actually settling yeah. um all right david what do we got coming up next
1: Is Credit Suisse, Ryan, going to trigger a 2008 financial crisis or not? Perhaps not. And also, is Gary Gensler the newest influencer on the block? Uh, Because he made a video that made it kind of seem like he wants to be one. So we're going to get into all these stories and so much more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors
0: that make the show possible. There's some rumors that Credit Suisse is about to trigger another 2008 financial crisis, another bank collapsing. What do we make of this? Let's we'll start with the story David where do these rumors come from
1: Yeah the the first uh, part that the story ever like manifested in the world is this guy Dave Taylor news on Twitter says credible source tells me a major international investment bank is on the brink as it turns out, he is talking about Credit Suisse. The also this tweet has since been deleted, which is interesting. Uh, and this just got the world of, you know the world of finance, uh, both in crypto and outside of crypto, just murmuring about Credit Suisse, like whispering about Credit Suisse. And then the Credit Suisse CEO says that the Credit Suisse is at a quote, "critical moment as bank prepares for latest overall, the Credit Suisse CEO says. And so this felt like it was. Corroborating what that tweet says, that Credit Suisse is at a quote pivotal moment, whatever that means. Uh, and now, as a result of that, Credit Suisse credit default swaps hit a 14-year high. Credit default swap is basically a assurance against the company defaulting. So, if you have a credit default swap and Credit Suisse. Uh, Go defaults, then you make money basically on that. This is the thing that happened in 2008 that caused so much like contagion event. Uh, and so, this tweet here from Grand Stefan says 600 billion, what Lehman Brothers held in assets when they crashed and took the eco- entire economy with them, 2800 billion, credit, credit Suisse and Deutsche Bank control in AUM 4.6 times more. And he said, he continues, credit suites is at a critical moment now, says the CEO, what lies in store for the world. And he made a thread about this. Now, this is just me reporting on the actual events and, and what people are talking about. I am not. No, I don't think Ryan or I are like anywhere close to being able to like be accurate informants about exactly what's going on in the world of Credit Suisse. And
0: who exactly knows? I and mean, who exactly only knows? Cre- only yeah. Credit Suisse management. Only mm-hmm. a, f- a relatively few people who are in the internals of that beast actually know what's happening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, go on.
1: But I will. I will defer to somebody who knows much more than me, who's very well researched, which is Kyla Scanlon, and she's put out a great video on this. So I've pulled out some tidbits to. Uh, to talk about here, where she has said, doing some analysis that is decently above board, she goes, the market is pricing in a 1.4% chance chance of Credit Suisse going bankrupt. Uh, And she did this with just a a cross-referencing and a bunch of numbers, which are a little bit confusing, but that's what she came out with. 1.4% chance is what the market is pricing in. Uh, That is pricing in a less likely chance of default than Ford, the motor company. Uh, Ford being a, an anchor, an irrelevant anchor point, just to say like, hey, that's like not very likely. Uh, and so she is of the opinion that this is not at all a Lehman moment, even though that Credit Suisse is not necessarily, necessarily like in the clear, and not everything is like you know good. It's not a Lehman Brothers moment, is what she has taken away from. And so uh, I generally trust Kyla. Uh, she knows way more than I do. Pays attention to these things way much more than I do, and that is her take. And that is better than I could ever produce. Here. <laughs> these are
0: still these are still just like multiple takes on it. Right. It's yeah. like it seems like the, the market's still trying to figure out the uh, the truth here. I mm-hmm. mean, it's the CDS uh, spreads at 14 year highs. Looks like some sort of market reaction to some some negativity. So we don't know. But what does seem true, though, is like I feel like the market is looking for something like this. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. this is why tweets like this. Um, you know the original tweet, what was it said something like credible source tells me a major international investment bank is on the brink. that seems like it could be so true right. and because we felt if it this leads it leads yes and we because we felt this in living memory, some a rumor like this spreads around the internet in mm-hmm. like nanoseconds right. and so pretty soon everyone's kind of chanting it and then it can they can right. actually affect the market right uh, that's what's interesting about this I um, here here here's another take i guess on the uh, on the on the subject like some something is probably foul mm-hmm. in the traditional finance market right. isn't it and this is that moment where the tide is going out and you get to see who's wearing pants who's wearing shorts and who's not which warren buffett says and i think the entire world the entire market is anticipating that we're going to find some people who aren't wearing any shorts right this is uh, Dylan LeClaire saying, that Three Errors Capital of TradFi is out there somewhere praying for a bounce here to unload some of their illiquid garbage. I must feel like crypto may have front run right. a lot of this. Like I actually feel like crypto is um, healthier now than it's been in a long time because we had our deleveraging moment in Early. May and June yeah. when Three Errors Capital went bust. We had mm. multiple crypto banks go completely bust. Like we already faced the deleveraging event and you sort of wonder if it's not Credit Suisse, maybe Credit Suisse is healthy, maybe Kyla's wrong. I don't think the market's wrong to have like be in high alert status sure. and be watching for something like this because of excesses of the last decade or more, David. Right. Crypto has only had, it
1: only had like 18 months of bull market to be able to wind up its leverage. Yes. The traditional market has had like 12 years to 12 embed years. leverage and debt deep
0: into the financial system. And that so is you know difficult to unwind. Yeah. and But we just don't know where it's going to pop. It almost seems so... St- it almost seems too simple right. for, oh, it's a, it's a bank again. Credit mm-hmm. default swaps, like again, same right. thing. <laughs> oh. it almost seems it's probably going to happen in some unexpected area, but like I guess we'll have to monitor and, and see what happens from here. Mm-hmm. Um, what else we got going on? Gary Gensler is up to some things. Oh uh, God, and Kim Garrett. Kardashian, how is she involved in crypto? Yeah, the SEC is
1: charging Kim Kardashian for unlawfully touting crypto security. Uh, so you might have remembered Ethereum Max. Ryan, I think I can't remember I where I saw her I promoting this, but this. Ethereum Max is like she was paid to shill pump this Ethereum Max thing. What uh, is it? She, uh, I, it's I, it's a grift basically. Uh, what, was
0: like, it like an Ethereum fork of some kind? Yeah, is...
1: it's a, yeah, it, it's an Ethereum fork. Uh, I don't know a single thing about it other than the fact that it was Ethereum Max. She was paid for it. it no one uh, in my Twitter Twitter circles or friends that ever used it at all. I'm uh, pretty sure it's just a scam through and through. She was paid to promote it. She did promote it on her Twitter. It was extremely cringe. I remember when that was going out. And now <laughs> she is being charged to settle these charges for a whopping $1. Point two six million dollars, and I'm being facetious here. That is a that's pennies for Kim Kardashian, and probably less than what she got paid for to promote the damn thing.
0: Well, no, actually, I remember reading this. She she got paid like two hundred fifty k or something to promote it, and she's getting fine. She did that. One point two six, yeah. So it's a bad business decision for her. Wow. It's just raw business decisions. Yeah, she must have Which just is not under-
1: understood what it means to promote a
0: security. We, she so, probably did not think about that. In good news, David, what this means is we could pay Kim Kardashian 250K to promote bankless.
1: I don't, you, so well. I, don't no? think, I don't think that
0: works. If you're into it. No. I don't think that works so well. Wrong crowd, different yeah, crowd, wrong crowd. Different wrong crowd. cross section. Yeah. So here's
1: the press release and also an interesting uh, quote from inside uh, that Gary Gensler said. So here's a quote from Gary Gensler saying this is a uh, this case is a r- reminder that when celebrities or influencers endorse investment opportunities, including crypto asset securities, it does not mean that those investment products are right for all investors. We encourage investors to consider an investment's potential risk and opportunity in light of their own financial goals. Yeah, some normal normal speak, but like yeah, yes, Pretty Kim, normal. you sh-
0: you shouldn't have done this. Nice yeah, drop, definitely, Kim. definitely, she shouldn't have done this. Like, uh, and then I guess you know Gary's coming to the rescue here. but, what's but that's, a, that's only
1: half the story. Okay, yeah, it's so only half the, the story. Half?
0: The the other half of the story starts with uh, this tweet from Mike Dudas who
1: goes, Lamal. LMAO. Literally everyone hates Gary Gensler, including his own staff. It's amazing. And he is tweeting out a picture of Charles Gasparino, a three, three tweet saying, SEC enforcement staffers, people that work for the SEC, are complaining that Gary Gensler violated protocol by hyping the Kim Kardashian settlement, appearing on CNBC within minutes of the case being announced. People with direct knowledge have told Fox Business this. They are calling, they, again, the SEC employees, are calling this a publicity stunt. That has been designed to burnish his reputation to be named treasury secretary they also say gensler stealthily approached cnbc for his appearance and created a video on the settlement an (laughs) unusual move for chairs who usually allow staff to take credit for actions and pursue broader issues it's the latest skirmish between gensler and enforcement departments that continue to lose attorneys amid complaints about gary's management style and workload as the sec dives into non-traditional areas of enforcement i.e corporate esg mandates SEC has no immediate comments. So the take here is that Gary is doing a, he's doing like a speaking tour, patting himself on the back for going after Kim Kardashian. And, and this, this is, is why I, I highlighted that $1.26 million fine for Kim Kardashian, which is yeah. pennies. She's just going to pay it because she's like, yeah, go away. Like, buzz, buzz, buzz away, fly. Get out of my... And, and then he's going to be like, yeah, we got her. Look what we're doing. <laughs> we to got like, the bad guys. We got the bad guys. We were, we're stopping crypto scams and not actually going after the real scams like Celsius, which was an actual security uh, and actually like needed banking regulations, blah, 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 blah. So like leaving all the actual hard scams... Like free and clear, and going after Kim Kardashian because everyone's like, "Oh, Gary Gensler is going after Kim Kardashian, promoting a crypto security. Nice job, Gary. Nice job."
0: Yeah, it it does seems like it's some kind of uh, regulatory clout chasing here. It's mm-hmm. like he's he's just um, he's trying to cash in. And yeah. what like a great name to do it like Gensler yeah. versus Kardashian. Right. I brought down this kind of wealthy elite right. influencer who everyone hates in the Mm -hmm. name of retail investors. I'm here to protect you. Like Captain Gary kind of thing. That's what it feels (laughs) like a little bit, but I, you know, it's not just this tweet. It's um, the video that was, that was mentioned in this tweet. So this is um, the Gensler uh, video pushed out on YouTube high production value, like relatively, for a regulatory agency. Like, you know, hey, who's your editor, you know, Gary, because like we need more editors at Bankless. (laughs) Uh, And uh, the title of this video is Use Caution with Celebrity Endorsements of Investment Products. Should we play part of this video?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Sometimes celebrities endorse investment opportunities like crypto tokens or special purpose acquisition companies. Celebrity endorsements, though, don't mean that an investment product is right for you or even, frankly, that it's legitimate. Even if a celebrity endorsement is genuine, each investment has its own risk and opportunities and may not fit your investment
0: needs. Yeah, so, so David, that that's a flavor of the video. It's uh, it, Office Hours with Gary Gensler, and it's got this, you know, cheerful music that you probably just heard, and like Gary pops up, and he tells you that um, celebrities can't give good investment advice and shouldn't. And, you know, if you're just a normie retail investor, you should be very careful and, and pay attention to like, you know, celebrity endorsements around things. Um, first of all, it's just incredibly basic advice. And but but there's something about this video that just feels like almost like um uh you know financial advisor influencer kind of thing. I don't know. There's something that just doesn't feel like genuine a about influencer. It. We'll let bankless listeners, you know, get get their own kind of take on this and insight into it. But like how does it strike you? What like wh- is this really the explanation is is Gary kind of like jockeying for some sort of influence, some sort of um clout in order to get the next rung up in his career that is treasury secretary coming for jenny Allen's job
1: it's just something something's just so off about like (laughs) this this mr burns type figure (laughs) who's doing like a highly edited like influencer type video like he is an influence he's trying to be an influencer except he's gary gensler And he just does not look like an influencer, and so the
0: whole thing is just like it's. It just makes me like shiver, man. It's like weird. <laughs> it is pretty cringe. This is a f- uh, article in Fortune, uh, crypto, the crypto side of Fortune, I guess. Uh-huh. Says the SEC's Kardashian fine was a dumb publicity stunt, uh, and then talks about it. This is what happens when you're cringe on the internet, Gary. <laughs> you get called out. You this get called what happens. out. This is uh, Maya imagine mm-hmm. an alternative world where Gary Gensler had gone after mashensky this is the Celsius CEO before the crash or the real shilling as a as a biz entities instead of shilling some Kardashian news that doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things this is this is the end of the day whether you think that was cringe or you think that was just you know Gary being kind of Gary and that's who mm-hmm. he is and maybe he's trying to be helpful give him the benefit of the doubt for for a minute here's the problem it just doesn't matter in the grand scheme All of right. things like no. No one is really going to be helped by this Kim Kardashian suit. There there are so many other scams. Like, this is one thing that we've um, asked the help of regulators. Like, crypto has scams, doesn't it, David? Like, all sorts of scams. We're we're about about to to talk talk about 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 one, one, right? And, like, there is work for the regulators to do to help clean this industry up, all right? Partner with innovators those that are providing transparency, give us safe harbors for those that are building truly innovative entrepreneurial um, products and then go after the Mashenskys. Like, please help us with this. But like, don't just do the surfacy clout chasing type stuff that like, where's, where is our Bitcoin ETF? Right. I mean, that would, that would save retail literally tens of millions, hundreds of millions Unlock billions of of dollars of capital. Right. Like, why don't we work on that together? Right. This is not helpful to us. How about clarity uh, you know, around the difference between like kind of a, a security and a token that's not a security. Right. I and mean, that would unleash the potential of thousands of entrepreneurs. I, we're not doing these easy things. Instead, we're going for the like the glam, the cheap stuff, the surfacy, the whitewash stuff. It's just it's stupid. It right. just feels very like political game. It feels very Congress. It feels very Let's call the bankers in front of our bank committee hearing and yell at them for two hours without actually doing anything. I'm just tired of seeing this. Can you click on his profile picture there
1: on his Twitter account? Like the guy very clearly really cares about his public image. Yes. Like he is a public image SEC chairman. Yes. Not doing his job. He's made so many videos he has, he has, that wasn't the only video he's made. If you go back to his YouTube channel, he's made a bunch of videos. Is what is short selling? What are crypto trading platforms with Gary Gensler? Uh, rule ten five B1, insider trading plans. Uh, 1.7 thousand views. Ooh, That kind of sucks. Yeah, you should work on that, Gary. Uh, what is short selling? 1.9 thousand views one month ago. Ooh, bad, bad ROI on these
0: videos, Gary. What you doing, bro? Can you go back to your job? He'd do I your think, job, I think. I think, I think one thing that you know he could do is definitely is um hire someone to do these things, right? Hire somebody with some kind of you know charisma, mm-hmm. some some yeah. ability to like like maybe partner with some other influencers, like that would be more effective. It's just very weird to take center stage in this way, but. Uh, I don't know. Let's go on. Let's talk about the 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 crypto grifters because the things that he's left
1: on the table. Yes,
0: there are some things left on the table, and and certainly crypto has its share of grifters that uh could be gone after. So Celsius top three execs, apparently they
1: cashed out forty two million dollars before they filed for bankruptcy out of their own platform. So ex CEO Alex Mashinsky, who we were just talking about. XCSO, Chief Security Officer? Is that what that is? Daniel Leon and CTO Nuke Goldstein. Wow, that's an unfortunate name. Nuke Goldstein?
0: Uh, Yeah. Wait, their CTO's (laughs) name is Nuke Nuke Goldstein? Nuke (laughs) Goldstein. How did I they, just find out about this? Yeah, wow, that's pretty crazy. This, Pull, is, they not, pulled, this is a real article, right? This is a real article, <laughs> yes. This is, this is not a regular. article. I got no. screwed yeah. over by Nuke, nuke, nuke Goldstein? Goldstein? Yeah. He's got my so ETH? The, these
1: three, the top three execs of Celsius <laughs> pulled Bitcoin, Ether, USDC, and the Cell token, the Celsius token, from the custody accounts of Celsius in May before the company suspended all customer withdrawals. Oh, so they got Uh, their
0: money out first. They
1: got their money out uh, before the assets were frozen. Uh, and so Mashinsky withdrew about $10 million. Leon withdrew about $7 million. Uh, and the other person withdrew about uh, $6 million. Do you remember that uh, Mashinsky Ryan, that's, that's your money, Ryan. That's yeah, your nuke, money that they that they pulled Goldstein? out. It's got Goldstein? Goldstein
0: has your ether, yeah. Well, uh-huh. if I had to get screwed, I guess I was going to get screwed <laughs> by screwed a guy by named Nuke. nuke. <laughs> <laughs> that just makes sense. Do you, do you remember at the time all this was going on, the rumors were flying, Mashinsky came out on Twitter and he said, stop with the FUD. There's nothing right. to worry about. I forget mm-hmm. the exact phraseology of the tweet, but right. that was post. He, he tweeted this after he had just taken all of his money out of Celsius. It's right. Right. unbelievable, Oof. man. Unbelievable, that the level grifter. of grift. grifter. Grifter. Uh, you are calling it out, though, David. Mm-hmm. What's uh, you, You're trying to compete with Gary Gens- Gensler on yeah, the I influencer Yeah, think, I think game. I'm a better influencer than Gary Gensler. We'll see. Although
1: we'll see. I would like to first be labeled as an educator who happens to influence not an influencer. I know I'm getting into this YouTube world where I do these YouTube optimized stuff We'll talk about that, but I would just like to plant that flag. I'm an educator first and influencer second. It just but, sounds like something Gary Gensler would say, David. <laughs> wow. Actually, I to felt that one. <laughs> Anyways, there is a brand new bankless YouTube account out there. This is a big news number four of the week. It's the biggest news in crypto, there, <laughs> of course. It's a brand new bankless YouTube account. Uh, the current bankless YouTube account, you might have noticed if you're watching this on YouTube, is now called bankless shows uh there's a new bankless youtube account called bankless where more youtube optimized videos are going to go and so i released the first video that i made and it's titled why is crypto full of scams and it gives my model uh, my uh my mental model for how i understand the crypto industry to be what it is which is core devs at the center crypto believers around them crypto grifters around the crypto believers that separate the crypto believers from the outside world and this is people like alex maschinsky daniel sesta do kwan the people that got really loud interestingly all three people bankless got in a fight with Uh, and uh alex Mashinsky is uh featured in this video uh and so definitely go subscribe to this new channel uh because we are going to be putting like uh just newbie optimized short form content things that you would find on youtube uh Thank you everyone on the comments who told me that I needed to iron my shirt noted. <laughs> I will
0: do that next time. <laughs> That's funny. And these are, these are brief videos, right? So this is not yes. like a 90 minute roll-up. Okay. No. We, th- this is like 10 to 15 minute quick mm-hmm. explainers for yes. you guys. So if you're listening, on, if you're watching on YouTube right now, make sure you go to this new bankless channel. Uh, we'll include a link in the show notes. Um, it's different than bankless shows mm-hmm. and this, uh, s- turn notifications on for this. Um, all right, David, we got a lot more to cover. What are we talking about next?
1: Coming up next, we got some MakerDAO stuff. MakerDAO is investing $500 million into different kinds of bonds. But also, the Winklevoss and Gemini want to also strike a deal with MakerDAO. So MakerDAO making some moves. And then after that, Fidelity, a multi-trillion dollar asset management company, has built a pipe straight into ether with an ethereum index we're going to talk about that there's also so many more things to talk about ens uh the ens markets are blazing hot that that they always have been there's a documentary about coinbase coming out solana's down again uh and crypto really uh, awesome heartwarming story about crypto adoption in africa ryan which i did not expect but yet some really good news out of Africa, which is not something we hear about frequently. So all of that and more right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible.
0: Maker, the stablecoin issuer, is investing $500 million in U.S. treasuries and also corporate bonds. David, this is a big move. That's a, that's a lot of money, big time. Yeah, what's going on here?
1: So MakerDAO, of course, is allocating $500 million for investing in U.S. treasuries and corporate bonds. Uh, and this is coming from its over-collateralized stablecoin supply. 80% of this is going to short-term treasuries, 20% going to investment-grade corporate bonds. Uh, and this was a proposal was presented last June uh, and accepted. Uh, so that is what's going on in the world of MakerDAO. That's a big move. $500 million is not small.
0: What else? Uh, you mentioned the Winklevoss before the break. What are they doing?
1: So th- this is the second time that an exchange has gone over to MakerDAO to make them an offer. And I think this is coming off of that offer that Coinbase made MakerDAO not too long ago. Uh, so Maker is entertaining an offer from Gemini, the crypto exchange from the Winklevi twins, of course. Uh, and they are offering to pay Maker 1.25% annual issuance rates on deposits of GUSD the Gemini USD stablecoin from the Winklevi, from Gemini. Uh, and in return, Maker must hold more than 100 million of GUSD in its PEG stability module, known as the PSM, uh, which is this thing that like helps die stay at a dollar. Uh, so GUSD has definitely been like, Underrepresented, definitely not like a leading stablecoin, but it looks, this looks like a strategic partnership between Gemini and MakerDAO to boost liquidity of GUSD and acceptance inside of DeFi. Uh, so it's,
0: uh, it's just a proposal, right? So they haven't accepted this yet. What's really interesting is like banks negotiating with DAOs. Yeah, that's I think cool. is like yeah, and or and DAOs negotiating with banks. Like this uh, this whole um, Treasury uh, story that you're getting into. Mm-hmm. This bank um, called uh, Sinjum. Is the one executing it, and it's working with BlackRock Switzerland to mm. allocate part of the the 500 million dollars, or 250 million of the 500 million dollars. And, and I'm just kind of like, well, what is Maker itself? It's such an interesting entity. It's not um, it's not a pro- it's not just a protocol. It is a protocol, mm-hmm. but they've built kind of this like DAO, you know, um, soft tissue layer of human governance around right. it for risk management that can actually interact with real world. Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's almost like a crypto native bank, yeah. question mark. Uh-huh. It's something like that. And um, yeah, it's a very interesting entity. And I mean, working with BlackRock, working with Gemini, you know, negotiating with the Winklevoss twins. This is a decentralized <laughs> autonomous organization doing that. And it kind of blows my mind sometimes. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty sci-fi.
1: Anyways, moving on. Fidelity has revealed its Ethereum index fund straight between Fidelity clients and Ether. Uh, And so uh, with $50,000 minimums, sadly, uh, it has generated about $5 million in sales already, which is, and this thing's brand new. So $5 million in sales between Fidelity Investments and its clients and Ether. Uh, So there's now a nice, big, fat pipeline between Fidelity and Ether, which is what we like if we want boomers to buy our bags.
0: Well, this is Fidelity. Look, Fidelity did this in 2020 with Bitcoin, Uh and now they've become friendly with Ether, which is great, Mm -hmm. and like... We have to like, I guess, Fidelity has to put these sorts of trusts together in the absence of having a freaking ETF, which we all need. Come on, we need an ETF for both Bitcoin and Ether, but we don't have it. Um, but you know, Fidelity is absolutely massive, David. Mm-hmm. Like, are all corporate, you know, a whole bunch of U.S. corporate four hundred one k's, for example, all managed by you know Fidelity. And um, if you're just like slaving away in the office in a corporate job and you want to buy some crypto in your four hundred one k, it's really Like infidelity, it's really hard to do that. So providing on ramps to that is a good thing. And hopefully this turns into something that's a bit more retail friendly, consumer friendly, or at least has Fidelity continue to apply the pressure to regulators? Because I think they take the phone calls of banks, David. They're not taking my phone call. They're not taking your phone call. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're not even taking Brian Armstrong's phone call, but I think they're listening to the Fidelities of the world. And so Fidelity calls and is like, hey, we have demand for products and uh, maybe they'll, they'll pick up the phone and, and listen to them. Um, in ENS news, we got another all-time high. ENS is all-time high, I believe, is this uh, sales in September, David, and renewals? No, this is a
1: domain registration. Ah, so, registrations. Uh, new, new ENS names have been registered as also with ANS renewals. And so names that were already registered also got renewed. So- big, big. Just like how Optimism and Arbitrum are having their, like, slow crescendos of transaction volume, ENS is having its maybe faster crescendo of registrations. Uh, So the BNS bull market continues.
0: Bullish ENS. I've still haven't sold my airdrop, David. I'm just holding. I like that protocol. Um, Look at this. These are the top, the highest all-time sales of .eth names. And what's cool about this website is, of course, all of this is like publicly available data. You don't have to scrape any databases. It's mm-hmm. just like all on chain. So you can come up with these t- sorts of dashboards. But uh, coming in at number one, the biggest dot ETH sale ever. You ready for it? Hit me. Paradigm ETH.
1: That's a it's, long, that's <laughs> a, a large number of digits. That's $2 million. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight digits. Wow. Yeah. Two million
0: dollars I mean, for this. Uh, 420 ETH. Uh, abc.eth
1: was, on was only spent uh, a quarter million dollars. Wow. Yeah. So I'm I'm assuming that's Paradigm the, the investment co- company Yes. Uh, so venture fund. Th-
0: that comes in at number 1 pj pjfi.eth. I don't know I don't why know. that's worth so much. Almost 500 million dollars? Zero zero I can see half, that. Half a million dollars on 500. Half, million. Excuse me, sorry. Half a million dollars. <laughs> uh abc.eth, what else we got? Um dpak.eth went for 75eth. <laughs> porno.eth, of course. (laughs) I think we talked about artdow.eth. These are the top 10. Um, 196. I'm just glad we got bankless.eth when we got it. Yeah, this is like yeah. I think we in paid hindsight,
1: like, bank, the two thousand dollars we spent on Bankless.Eth is was an absolute Dude, steal.
0: Somebody would have squatted that and tried to sell oh, it for God, our, yeah. what do you think? Yeah. 000, yeah. Yeah. a stupid number. Yeah, somewhere yeah. between Paradigm and Porno, I bet we, <laughs> they would have tried to charge us because <laughs> it's a good brand. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of good brands, Moonbirds, the DAO launched, so they just launched a DAO. Two point six million in ETH in the DAO, also some NFTs. Um, what are your thoughts on this?
1: I, well, the, it's pretty cool that Kevin Rose and proof seeded the doubt with this $2.6 million. So they, yes. Hey, you guys have a down now. Also, you guys have $2.6 million. Uh,
0: go play with it, I guess. No, uh, actually. So here's yeah. the cool thing. It's not just go play with us, p- play with us, go play with it and uh-huh. do whatever you want. It's kind of focused. The focus is empowering creatives that are building towards furthering the Moonbirds ecosystem, reputation, and lore. That's a bit more specific. So reputation and lore, right? So I can imagine this DAO specifically doing a function that DAOs do very well, which is like, hey, generate a whole bunch of ideas and spread those ideas. So I actually kind of like some more focused, targeted DAOs, Mm -hmm. because sometimes if you give DAOs a complete blank slate, they don't really know what to do. They're kind of like, oh, a little bit here, a little bit here, sometimes they're walking around like a zombie without a brain, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, if you give it a focus and you say, here's some money, here's some things the community can do, and it becomes kind of like a grant funding mechanism, I think that could be successful. So uh, I think that's what they might be doing here. Of course, we'd have to talk to Kevin Rose to get all the details, but a nice uh, narrow scope DAO might be a a good refresher uh, compared to some of the DAOs we've seen uh, recently. This is
1: really cool. Here's a tweet thread out of Brian Armstrong saying, Big announcement. We've been working with director Greg Koh on a documentary about cryptocurrency and Coinbase over the last three years. And it will be coming out this Friday. That's today, if you're listening to this on Friday, on Amazon Prime slash, I, slash, slash iTunes slash YouTube. You can watch the trailers. You can watch the trailer in the show notes. I got goosebumps when I watched this. Really? This, this is going to be awesome. Why? Like, and- Why'd you get goosebumps? Just like watching Brian Armstrong like practice a pitch in twenty like eleven about like how to pitch Coinbase is like dude like it goes I mean, all the way
0: back to twenty eleven huh
1: yeah it goes it goes real far back there's, right there's Fred Arison. uh and and so like I mean uh there there's a, a lot of really cool people here David Chom was is is featured oh, in really? here Vitalik's in here yeah it's just like it, it's, uh, th- oh, there's, I, it's there's it's there's Matt, Matt from Hogan Bitwise. yeah Matt from Hogan f- from Bitwise right uh like I think it's gonna be great and this is I think uh a really going it's gonna be very useful to help explain crypto to the outside world movies documentaries yeah. there's like there's like two other ethereum movies like there's the Infinite Garden and Cami Russo's uh, documentary it's also going to come out and I think this is going to be a great way to onboard people to crypto and like here's do, the story of like these people that have been grinding this out for years
0: do you know the the guy who's making this uh, Greg uh, Coase mm-hmm he also made the doc, a documentary I really love came out like 4 or 5 years ago called AlphaGo. Hmm. And this is about um DeepMind uh which is uh, an AI that I believe Google created um to beat the go champion of the world, hmm. right? So you so, so you know I, this links into maybe uh, your story at the end. Yes. Some special that you met.
1: Don't do not spoil that. I story.
0: will not spoil it. Okay, but the the uh, first AI beat a, um, chess player in what year? Was that 1999,
1: 2000, something like this? Uh, that was, uh, well, God, I don't know. When was that? Okay. Actually, around I that. I should know this. Uh,
0: and, but before that it was thought inconceivable, um, like a difficult problem for an AI to actually beat a, uh, a human uh, chess player. And uh, then, um, an order of magnitude, more complexity. Is actually um, the uh, the game Go, Go, which is a yeah. strategic game. It's very popular in in the East, uh, less so in the West. But it's kind of like the the chess of the East, right? Mm-hmm. Very popular in places like Korea. And this chronicled this effort of DeepMind and AI to take on the world's best Go champions. And I won't. I guess I could spoil it because it's like five years after, but like the AI wins in the right. end, yeah. and it's this whole <laughs> <Surprise>. battle. <laughs> yes, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's Not the entire. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the the entire uh, era that we're living in. We could, uh, the AI wins in the end. Um, right. Okay, so it beats the humans, and. Um, yeah, it's a really cool story because there's some drama. Like the, it's very hard for the world AlphaGo players to kind of like come to grips with this. Anyway, great documentary, mm-hmm. going into a complicated subject and actually like helped me understand neural network AI type systems and also Go, which I had no previous mm-hmm. understanding or knowledge of, um, through documentary format. So it helped mainstream that to me. Maybe we could do the same with crypto.
1: Yeah, that was, that was a great way to full circle this is like, oh, <laughs> complicated, uh, complicated story. We have a great storyteller. They're going to tell the Coinbase story very well. So yeah. excited for this. I'm, I'm going to watch this p- perhaps on my flight to Bogota. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, in other NFT news, Three Arrows CryptoPunk, and other Starry Night collections on Ethereum, their NFTs are set to be liquidated. Uh, so the Starry Night Fund, which was, of course, Three Arrows Capital's NFT fund, uh, is in the hands of a liquidator, Tenio. Uh, apparently that you has the that goose before? in it. Doesn't it? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Cool. So art blocks, crypto punks, like all this stuff getting liquidated. Man, so that was if, top you, of the market if you stuff. are an NFT collector with cash on hand, you might be able to score a pretty cool NFT.
0: Three years capital starting starting night, uh, starting, starting nights at the top of the, the bull market. That, that was, was like the top. That was the, they, f- uh, funded that fund at the very top. At the yeah. very top. Mm-hmm. Uh, Solana went down. Again, Oof, last sad, weekend. Sad. Uh this is this one actually made article. me sad. Yeah. Solana back online after the latest outage. It was down uh in September. Hours. Sorry, it was down for eighteen oh. hours. That was September of twenty twenty one. Uh this time, I don't know, it was down uh looks like five hours. Five hours? Yeah, five hours, yeah. Mm-hmm. Why why did it oh, go what down? What happened? Yeah,
1: Uh, It looks like there was a validator that signed two blocks, which is bad because that's forking the blockchain. Uh, And because of this, the remaining validators, I think couldn't find the chain. They were confused as to which chain uh, was the correct one because there were two versions of Solana. uh, And so both of them just didn't progress. Uh, And so the the Solana blockchain just halted.
0: I want to ask you. So I want to ask this question of you, right? So this is a question I tweeted out. If a blockchain keeps going down, it is still worth billions of dollars, which Solana definitely is. Do we conclude from this that the market doesn't value blockchain uptime?
1: Well, there was no Ethereum. Remember when Ethereum Classic kept on getting 51% attacked and it would pump the price? This was in uh, 2019, 2018, 2019. No, because it was in
0: the news. Uh, attention it's all it yeah attention. Well, this it's was not a price pump this was right. just kind of nothing happened it was right. just the market shrugged it off I think if you're out. a Solana
1: holder you're in you have you just you, I don't know
0: <laughs> well uh, no Anatoly uh, responded somewhere in the tweets uh, Anatoly as something to the effect of like actually this is a strength because see how fast Solana can actually recover what yes uh, that is a take uh, here you go what the whole point of decentralization is to recover from arbitrary catastrophic failure without loss of state including bugs in the code maybe doing so so quickly and reliably is important as well that was his take so and that's, I said, that's
1: a bold take Anatoly I mean I get the point like you can recover your blockchain but like centralized companies can recover databases that's not the hard part that's not
0: that's not hard it's interesting, right? Because the market doesn't seem to care, David. So, um, you know, there's all sorts of other explanations, but I'm curious, yours. what do you think? Why yeah, do you so think you, you put
1: out there? that tweet uh, like three, two or three weeks ago mm-hmm. saying like, facts, Solana has had over two months of uninterrupted uptime, and that was September 10th. Uh, yeah. So we're basically one month later, so now it was three months. They had a three-month streak. Uh, it would it, 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 Solana going down during the bull market, I think it's, I mean, it's not really excusable, but it's more excusable when there's high, high activity, but Solana going down in the bear market, like they need to get this number of and like days without incident high. They need to not be going Why? down. Because you need to be dependable of a blockchain. If you're gonna have the future of finance on your ecosystem, you need to not go down and you need to prove to the world that you're not going to go down. My- so during times of depressed activity and you're still going down, you are burning that chance of growing the Lindy effect of saying that Solana is not gonna go
0: down. Does it matter? If the social, if there's a social recovery, if a bunch of validators just meet and no, the that's, that's only it only matters.
1: It, that doesn't matter. It matters to the current set of users. We're talking about we need to onboard the rest of users, and the rest of the world,
0: b- hopefully, will care if their financial system goes down. I'm coming to the conclusion that Solana is kind of playing a different game than Ethereum. Oh, it's always been. I don't, and I think that maybe that's always been, and maybe that's why sometimes the communities talk past each other. Yeah. Because um, if you if you're like hard core Bitcoin, Ethereum values. You're like, your chain can't go down. It's a layer no. freaking one. It's right. like a, a property rights system for the entire world. You can't right. go down. If it goes down, it's dead. And But I don't think Solana is competing there. I think it's competing against other, almost like open FinTech type of applications where sometimes things go down in those worlds. It's like- If your
1: it, chain goes down, people will not issue valuable assets on your chain as much and i don't see how solana can say that they don't want that and that's a go optimized kpi is how many valuable assets are being issued on solana and if the more Solana goes down the less people are less comfortable people are going to feel so you're doing saying on it Solana. makes
0: them less scalable like social yes. because they're less yeah. dependable and dependability yeah. and scalability yeah. and all of yeah. these things yeah. yeah it's uh to be determined but I'm um, good luck to the Solana community as you guys continue as Solana continues to iron out those bugs um, also stuff happening in the crypto community in Africa this was a really cool st- uh, report put out by chain analysis yeah uh, chain analysis I should say uh, what is this saying?
1: Yeah, so some tidbits from this report saying this report shows strong crypto usage and adoption rates in the region of sub-Saharan Africa. With highly educated young people and low job prospects, crypto is a, quote, way to feed their family, says Convexity Fandler Adidijai Owanibi. Oof, I'm sorry about that. Uh, Small retail payments in sub-Saharan Africa are powering exponential crypto adoption and usage, with the region uh, conducting the world's highest proportion, 80% of crypto retail payments less than $1,000, according to the Chain Analysis Report. The report also highlights how peer-to-peer transactions are more common in sub-Saharan Africa than anywhere else in the world. At about 6% of all crypto transaction volume, Africa's peer-to-peer transactions dwarf those of Central and Southern Asia. The region with the second highest volumes in that category, and the, the report continues and says many Africans have integrated crypto into everyday life. Besides retail transactions, remittances, and commercial transactions have also been key drivers for Africa's high adoption and usage rates. Did not expect to see a report like this, but that's really good news. This is this is just some the fundamental adoption of crypto that's not speculative that's not shenanigans it's not like nfts like going with jpegs this is like real utility being leveraged by uh by uh, sub-saharan africa
0: yeah i think this is really cool to see uh in in places in africa it's you know it's peer-to-peer small transactions improving people's lives um it's underreported as well because it's not kind of a big news event happening in the west right. And honestly, David, I want to dedicate some cycles to explore the um, cryptocurrency community in Africa. I've um, mm-hmm. not talked much to that community. I know there's a Bankless Africa yeah. chapter there's actually a, that's, a uh, chapter down there that's, yeah. that's rocking it and doing some mm-hmm. things. So mm-hmm. maybe there's some opportunity to get an update from them. Uh, David, speaking of updates, a negative update from Alex, the arrested Tornado Cash developer. He is staying in jail after his appeal was rejected. This is from The Block. David, what refresh people? Who is Alex uh, Pertsev, and what was this appeal about?
1: Alex Pertsev was the Tornado Cash developer that was arrested in the Netherlands and has been waiting to hear why he's been arrested. And so I, think, I believe he appealed to be either released or just to, hey, can I hear why I'm arrested? And that repeal was rejected.
0: Not uh, only that, is, David, this, this story goes on. It was not only uh, rejected and um, he has to stay in jail. There actually auctioning off his car starting to st- take his property What? Yeah. Um this is uh this is from the article Property Seizure and Auction. Um at the moment they've only taken a car. This is his wife talking, but I think they can come and take something else at any moment. I don't feel safe. Prosecutors will Yo. sell all of our legal property at auction, leaving me with nothing.
1: Yo, what the hell?
0: Arrest the guy. Dude, this is the Netherlands. S- don't you, you're not uh, charging him with anything. You're leaving him in jail. No charges, absolutely no charges. For for all we know, the only thing he did was create an open open source smart contract code on Ethereum that was used without his permission by some nefarious actors, but w- completely without his permission. Now he's in jail. Doesn't know why. They won't tell him. And they're auctioning off his freaking property, stealing his property. Let's call let's call it s- stealing because that's what it is. The government does it; they call it seizure, but it's stealing. W- what is happening here? What I don't f- get it. Right? What do you even do about this? I don't know. I mean, we're not in the Netherlands. I we've tweeted about it before. We've talked about it before. There are locations we've directed people to uh, to donate to the cause as legal defense. There was uh, Gitcoin grants that were raised. Uh, continuing to talk about it, continuing to keep it in the news cycle, I think, is really important. Continuing to tweet about it uh, is really important. Um, I don't know. This is the Netherlands. This is like the quote unquote like a Western li- liberal democracy.
1: Right, mm. uh, that's insane. It's it, infuriating.
0: It's infuriating. Um, so our 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 thoughts with Alex will continue uh, keeping you guys updated about this. and happier announcements, Ryan.
1: You know Google's 10% time? Have you heard about this? Yes. Yeah. So like on Fridays, like if you work at Google, you can go work on something that you're passionate like about. Is like 10%? Or, is
0: it 20% or something? Or 20%. 20% okay, percent I think time. it's 20%. Yeah, yeah, yes. So
1: yes. P- policy at Google, on Fridays, you could go do something that you want to do. Sounds Just good. It's like intrinsic, intrinsic work. Just okay. pick something. Okay. So Consensus is doing something very similar with their employees saying, hey, on Fridays or like, I don't know, 20% of your time, go work for a DAO. Uh, so there's a partnership between Consensus and Bankless DAO, To develop what they are calling the first ever DAO (laughs) relationship, where consensus employees and Bankless DAO are going to work together, like to build
0: out Bankless DAO. So that is pretty damn cool, I'd say. That is awesome. (laughs) Big big move by uh, Bankless DAO to get that set up. Um, Funny. We had absolutely nothing to do had with no this. Idea. I no idea. It just happens <laughs> uh, in the background. And I think the uh, Bankless DAO is doing great work and excited about the new energy that Consensus is bringing there and the first DAO relationship. So use that uh, 20% time well, mm-hmm. Consensus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're also using their uh, development time well because this is a new portfolio viewer uh, from MetaMask, the makers of MetaMask. So you can now click a link and, like Zerion or Zapper style, start to see what is in your portfolio. Really cool release, really cool app. Um, this is a bank.e portfolio. see some bank tokens in there, uh, among other things. And uh, yeah, really cool to see.
1: Another release coming out of Aztec. They said they are thrilled to announce Euler Finance as the first yield protocol supporting Aztec's 4626 bridge. Uh, I will explain what that is. First, uh, Euler is a money market like Compound or Aave that provides yield to assets. And Aztec is a Private layer two, privacy layer two. Uh, and so you can now use and get access to Euler's yield privately on Aztec's, uh, on the Aztec's private layer two. But they also have this 4626 bridge, that's an EIP number or an ERC number. Uh, basically it's their yield bridge. Uh, and so prior to EIP 4626, every single integration between Aztec and Compound, Aztec and Ave, Aztec and Euler was like a one-off bridge, a unique bridge. Uh, 4626 is what they're calling one bridge to rule them all. Uh, and so a yield bridge between Aztec and money markets throughout DeFi. So any place that you can get yield, anything that's a tokenized vault, you can bridge right into Aztec. So DeFi and yield becoming a little bit more private these days. Neat. Private yield. Private yield Private sounds yield. really
0: cool. I um, mm-hmm. I hope they don't get OFAC. Yes, in the coming weeks and coming months. Well,
1: we if they do, uh, we're investors, Ryan. So uh, we're
0: <laughs> <laughs> we're relevant here. <laughs> That's right. You uh, should mention that as well. Uh, let's get to raises now. Uniswap uh, Labs they look to be raising about two hundred million dollars in a new round of funding. This is a report from TechCrunch. Not completely confirmed, but this deal would give Uniswap Labs, the lab side, not the tokens, the lab side, kind of the equity side, a $1 billion valuation. So we'll uh, have to see how that emerges. We've got more raises. Defiance Capital, what are they up to, David?
1: Yeah. Arthur Chong's Defiance Capital, which was originally spun out from Three Arrows Capital. And so I think he hit, he got a, uh, Defiance took a, a gut punch when Three Arrows Capital went down. Reputationally,
0: but, at least. Well, also,
1: also they had to, I think, liquidate some of Defiance's assets oh, because wow, it was okay. owned by I'm Three sure Arrows that was
0: Capital. Pretty brutal.
1: Yeah, uh, and but Arthur is bringing Defiance back, raising a hundred million dollars, uh, raising a hundred million dollars to invest in liquid tokens. Uh, so can Arthur bring Defiance back from the dead? Looks like he's doing it. So congrats he's to him. He's trying. And last raise of the week, Horizon is thrilled to announce that they've raised 48 million million in a Series A to make Web3 easy. Horizon and their wallet sequence is a, uh, a platform for both uh, having an awesome wallet that's very easy to use that is integrated into Web3 games and Web3 things. It's just, and it's also a builder platform. Uh, so they also have this uh, integration with Skyweaver, NiftySwap, a few other things. Uh, so congratulations on the raise to Horizon. Also, they are a bankless sponsor for Q4. So that is the disclaimer there.
0: Their smart contract wallet looks pretty badass, man. I love the UX of this. Um, Mm -hmm. David, we should get to jobs. Jobs. I'm sure with all these raises, companies are hiring in the jobs market this week. Let's uh, run through it. I guess maybe Uniswap is raising, but we know they're hiring mm-hmm. for sure because number one, we got a developer relations lead at Uniswap Labs, senior front end engineer at Uniswap Labs, a senior back end engineer for the trading platform at Uniswap oh, Labs. <laughs> has a lot of jobs already. Solid World. DAO is hiring a senior Web3 developer. Rubicon, a smart contract engineer. Bankless needs a social lord molecule, a head of engineering. Bankless, a growth marketer. Economia needs a lead designer, rabbit hole, a tech lead. I could go on, but I don't have to because these jobs will be in your inbox. If you go to bankless.pallet.com and you enter your email address, they will be shipped to you directly. you also hear about them on the Bankless Weekly Rollup, but don't wait. Get alerts from these jobs and uh, check out the bankless job boards. All right, David, what's coming up next?
1: Coming up next, questions from the nation. What categories of crypto things are going to come out in the bear market as well as an EVM compatibility, as well as all the takes from the week? Uh, A question from Amin Soleimani. Hypothetically speaking, if you wanted to use Ethereum to wage a war, how would you go about it? Uh, So that is a take that's coming up next right after we talk to some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible.
0: Questions time. If you have a question for David and I on the roll-up, then make sure you follow BanklessHQ on Twitter. It tweets out what question do you have every Wednesday, and if you reply to that tweet, we may read your question out on the roll-up. This is the first one. Um, I think this question is coming from Go see it, it back, yeah. This question is coming from Mike Finity. Mike asks, "Are there any new categories in the Ethereum space that are emerging that some of us may not know about yet?" David, secret, hidden categories in the Ethereum space that are emerging that people don't know about. Tell us. Drop that alpha, my friend.
1: Yeah, there's this one category that's being built out, which requires ZK rollups. It has to be on a ZK rollup because of how many transactions it's going to require. But there's a world of physical simulation, like physical space simulation, like gravity, objects, colliding objects. That when a th- object moves or collides, that's like a transaction. Game physics? Game physics, yes. Game physics on ZK roll ups. Uh, and so it's, it's you can, wh- why this is important is you can make a verifiable, provable position of a physical object, f- like fizzy, physical, digital, you know, a digital but physical object in the metaverse. And you can make this, you can provide coordinates, you can vi- d- uh, provide velocity, you can, uh, you know, mass, magnitude, direction. You can, provable layer that is a universally shared truth on the internet create a physically like mapped out space physical space
0: i've i've seen demos of this kind of Mm -hmm. thing before i've seen prototypes of this kind of thing before but it seemed it's always seemed so abstract that i don't even i can't yet grok it i can't get it other than this link between like as we've always said what is a blockchain for well it's uh for securing property Mm-hmm. in the metaverse. And so you were talking about physical manis- manifestations of property secured by something like Ethereum. But like, I think it's how does that property. manifest? It's more
1: just like objects. Like uh, we, we need a single shared source of truth of a bunch of physical space except again it's not physical it's it's digital but it's digitally physically represented digital space and if we have a single shared source of truth on this thing it makes that platform credibly neutral and so you can imagine like a digitally represented physical space that is being rendered at the periphery because we have this same source of truth as to what objects are where
0: okay so but like what do you do with something like this
1: uh I mean, first you have to build it, and so this is like still very much like under construction. But I think it's a better question is like what can't you do with it? Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot out there. Uh, this is a, a topic of uh, in the zero knowledge podcast with Anna Rose. She did an episode on this uh, with a bunch of zk teams. Um, but it's like a, it's just like a commonly shared source of truth for like games and space.
0: It there's, feels there's like, something to here. me, it feels like this is a new primitive that we just don't know what to do yet on the yeah. application layer and we yeah. might see it manifest in cool ways. It's definitely mm-hmm. emerging, mm-hmm. definitely something that probably few people knew about. And yeah. did you say, what's the place to find out more? That um, uh, Anna Roses,
1: a zero-knowledge uh, podcast. It's an older podcast. let will see if I can find it and put it in the show notes.
0: Cool. Uh, we got another question from a cryptodude.vet. What is the significance of ZK Sync 2.0 getting EVM compatible? Is it that you can port smart contracts over from... ETH layer one Mm -hmm. with little or no changes in their code, or is there something more to it?
1: No, it's largely that. Uh, If previously, like for example, Stark. Net Starkware has their Cairo coding language. You can't just take Solidity code and put it on Starknet. You can put it on ZK Sync because it's EVM compatible. So it's it's near 1 to 1 compatibility of all all uh, anything that's ever been on an EVM chain, Binance Smart Chain, Optimism, Arbitrum, the Ethereum layer 1, like Avalanche,
0: 95% of all the apps. Yes. That if it's we if it's an EVM. app that's
1: already built, you can just be put right on ZK Sync uh, out of the box. And so that's why that's why everyone is super bullish on, uh, on EVM compatibility.
0: It's a really big deal. Um, all right, David, let's go to takes of the weeks. Mm-hmm. This is from Amin. He's asking the question, hypothetically speaking, if you wanted to use Ethereum to wage a war, how would you go about it? Of course, that came from Amin. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you wanted to use Ethereum to wage a war, <laughs> I don't know what he's thinking about on <laughs> October 4th, what he's thinking about on a like casual Tuesday mm-hmm. for this for Amin. But um, your answer was interesting. You said, start a podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what are you talking about?
1: I actually want to leave that one up to the listener. I'll leave that one hanging there.
0: Really? That's all you're going to say?
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. If you wanted to use Ethereum to wage a war, how would you go about doing it? And David says, start a podcast. We don't call
1: it Bankless Nation for nothing.
0: Huh. Are we
1: talking metaphorical war? Are you just going to Ethereum? Amin is talking a literal war. I'm talking, I've expanded the scope a little bit to be like, yeah, but also like narrative wars and, you know, community alignment, stuff like that.
0: There you go. All right. All right. Leave it there.
1: Take from Ryan Sean Adams says, too many of y'all taking VC money in crypto when y'all should be bootstrapping. Look, Hayden Adams built Uniswap in a cave with a $65,000 grant and a box of scraps. Nice, <laughs> nice reference there. That's the power of crypto. <laughs> Just because a VC wants to give you $10 million doesn't mean you need it. More building,
0: less raising. Nice. Bootstrapping, friends. Nice. Bootstrapping. Nice. Like, like, seriously, we don't need tens of millions of dollars to build what we're calling DeFi 2.0. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need it. And I think too many teams raise too quickly. So this is like immaturity or some of it's like there's a glamour in having a large VC with a brand name, write you a check, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I like, this is the power of Ethereum's, right? One developer, a very small team, weekends, evenings can crank out. Some very powerful piece of code, and you, and you need to find out if you have product market fit before you actually know if if uh, you need the VC money to scale this thing out. Right. Yeah, and I think too many people uh, are skipping that step, right. and uh, it's to their detriment because kind of spin their wheels. I just I would love to see more bootstrapping uh, and less money right out of the gate. And so that's my encouragement for uh, for product teams. Uh, right now, because even in this bear market, David, it seems like the VC money is still flowing. Like the private deals are getting done. We're seeing um, massive raises every single week. Some of sometimes that's right. But like you need the money to scale. You don't need the money to actually prove uh, and get some market validation in crypto. You can do that with a small team with a box of scraps, Mm -hmm. as Hayden Adams uh, showed us.
1: Last take of the week here is I don't know if this is a take, but it was funny. Uh, DasStormy1.e says... POV. You're listening to Bankless with Trustless State and Ryan Schott Adams talk about the most famous sports figures in the world, and then it's the GIF of Michael Scott just like bearing his face. <laughs> oh, in Oh wow, we really cringe. screwed up last week. Didn't yeah, we? it turns out we were talking about uh, Roger Federer and, and Nadal, like two of the most famous like tennis <laughs> players.
0: I had <laughs> that no was idea. Brutal. I had no idea. That's brutal. I, we've been outed as uh, yeah, not sports fans. This is not a sports podcast. All right, no, guys, we t- we talk crypto. <laughs> we have like like we'll talk talk like geopolitics and we'll talk economics, but apparently not sports that is not a prerequisite for understanding crypto. The consistency that I got this take across Twitter, <laughs> YouTube comments, <laughs> you friends, Telegram, family. Discord, yeah. my friends. Like, dude, you, guys, that was Roger morons. Federer.
1: And what's, he, Nadal, what's he, Nadal's we, full name? We I apologize.
0: Don't, don't dig us deeper, David. We apologize <laughs> to the uh, entire bankless sports Tennis community. Tennis playing community. Yes, but <laughs> I will say this in our defense, okay? Uh-huh. Learning about sports is an opportunity cost. To yeah. learning more about crypto, yeah, like I've just ne- I've never been able to justify. I'm like I could learn more about a sport and watch a game, or I could learn more about crypto. Right, and it, I it's, always it's, choose the other thing.
1: It feels like one of the trilemma. Like pay attention to sports, pay attention to crypto, yeah. and like have a have a podcast, and you get to pick two <laughs> of those things. Yes, <laughs> and I know which
0: ones I've picked. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's right. Me too, David. I'm I'm with you, but um, sorry on behalf of. Like the, the sports. The people that have chosen to not pick a podcast. The people, yeah, it's t- <laughs> t- it's totally fine to have a sports life outside of crypto. It's totally fine. <laughs> we support you. Anyway, uh, David, in
1: a different world, I would like to challenge bankless listeners. All right, I didn't know who Roger Federer
0: is, but do you know who this is? Because this is Ryan. What I'm bullish okay, on this week. Let me look. It's so. First of all, I see on the right, it's David in a three-piece suit. Yeah. Look at yeah. snazzy, <laughs> with that gray vest, uh-huh. buttoned up. A uh, nice tie, Thank and you. with a gentleman to his left. Now, um, this gentleman has a flag of Ukraine. Nope, on him. that is a, that's a, there's a story behind that flag. You're not gonna guess what that flag is. Oh, that's not okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's very small. But that, is, so it's, that
1: is the story behind that flag is that is the Russian flag. But the ah. red of the Russian is removed because they are trying to remove the blood of Putin and what he's doing in Ukraine. Ooh, that's a big spoiler. That's and, a and hint. Yes, it's an yes, older. Said, it's an older
0: person. So mm-hmm. should we give people like a few more seconds to? Yeah.
1: So I'll keep on giving hints. This is at the Oslo Freedom Forum Gala, okay. uh, and uh, that's my last hint. Actually, that's all I got. There's no more. It's someone
0: hints left. that it's. Also, someone that David highly esteems, clearly. Oh, you can tell from his voice clearly, and the yeah. big smile on his face looking yeah. at the camera. The like, boy ah. is
1: stoked in this photo. <laughs> Very excited. <laughs> I know who it
0: is. This is
1: Gary Kasparov, who is the last world's best chess player to be the world's best chess player before he was beat by an AI, Deep Blue, by IBM in 1994. Uh, that is personal hero of mine. Not only is he a fantastic chess player, I don't know if the Bankless Nation knows, but I play a ton of chess. Uh, I have Gary's level, not at Gary's level, (laughs) Uh, but he is also just a freedom fighter and like very much, I believe shares a lot of the ethos and values that I do. And I think Bankless does. And he's also a great podcast guest and hopefully he will one day
0: be coming on the podcast. That's Hopefully. what the, that's what this was all about. Is Gary, please about, come on yeah. the podcast. We know you listen to Bankless. Well, so the, uh,
1: the story the story here is that at, this is a uh, you know they, uh, this gala. They try and raise money. They sell like people put things up for auction. Gary put up a chess game for auction at the gala.
0: A, a game of chess with a, ga- him.
1: a game of chess with Gary Kasparov. Yes. And I bid on that, and I won, and so (laughs) I get to play a game of chess with Gary Kasparov, and I'm fucking stoked.
0: Dave, we got a utility (laughs) NFT, which is uh, you can cash in for a game of chess with Mm -hmm. Gary Kasparov. That's awesome, man. Um, If I can
1: rotate this into a podcast, however, live stream, perhaps.
0: Yeah, we'll figure this out. Just figure this out. Host it at your house. Just put the camera. I sent in my
1: wire this morning, so it's locked in
0: there you go that's awesome yeah. man um, yeah he's a great individual I've heard him on many podcasts mm-hmm. that that gets by the way to what I'm bullish about this week because that's You're what you really were bullish about, about yeah. just meeting uh, one of your idols Gary Kasparov um, I am bullish on podcasts in general oh yeah that's good yes so I've been doing some podcast binging um, I know some of your favorite podcasts but I probably don't know mm-hmm. all of them David but like mm-hmm. um, Lex Friedman yep. I listen to a lot Sam Harris I listen to it all uh, a lot Um I think podcasts are like the only digital media source that is somehow not yet a slave to the algorithm. Mm. And what I mean is like podcasts aren't like timeline sorted, right? You have to actively go and subscribe to a podcast. And this makes it a very unique media form. Like all of the RSS feeds are self-sovereign and right? they're not hosted by anyone. You can select whatever podcast player you want. Um, and so much of the time, like I, all all of the media that we see is just uh, arguing. Mm. It's like like they call it debates, but it's mostly t- people talking past each other. And mm-hmm. like all sorts, of, like we're all siloed in these algorithmic uh, information bubbles. And podcasts, to me, at least the ones I listen to, are like a breath of fresh air. Like mm. Lex Friedman will actually have a conversation with somebody. He'll actually listen to the other person, try to understand what they're saying. Right, rather than just freaking like uh, um, Optimize yell. for the algorithm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, optimize for the algorithm. It's like a deep, rich conversation. And uh, I'm just glad that we've preserved this because I feel like in this hollow world, going back to what Ben Hunt was talking about, um, there's just all this, this hollow media out there and podcasts have not yet succumbed to that. So I was just appreciative and I'm bullish of, of podcasts themselves. Um, you said earlier in the episode um, if you want to start a war, start a podcast. If you yeah. want to start a movement, maybe that's another way of revolution. Start a podcast. Yeah. Uh, and you know is, why this
1: works so well, and then what? What? The, how this is related is RSS feeds are a decentralized technology. They totally are, dude. It's like TCP/IP, SMS, and RSS. Yeah.
0: Um, so anyway bullish Bullish on podcasts in general. This is why we love this this form. I mean, we put our stuff out on YouTube. YouTube's important. We're doing like you know channels for it, but like we will always have a podcast. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a, a pure. Can't stop us. It's a fantastic. You can't stop us. It's a it's a fantastic form of communication. And uh, David, you taught me that because. Um, you know, you got me into podcasting, man. Yeah. Right? I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank <laughs> it took you. me like four times, you four me messages to, to convince you to do a podcast. Well, and as soon as that ball was rolling, it was off, off I've the just, races. I've long been a consumer, right? I didn't mm-hmm. know that anyone would actually tune in to, and listen uh, to us um, talk about crypto like every week. But this, this is, uh, I guess, also a question to the Bankless Nation is what podcast do you guys like? What do you recommend? Who should we listen to as well? Leave a uh, comment. (laughs) Drop a comment in the (laughs) comment section. (laughs) Yes, leave a comment in the (laughs) comment section. Um, All right. Meme of the week time. You ready for this? Let's do it. Meme of the week. We actually got two
1: memes of the week this week. Oh, lucky uh so this one is uh titled this time is different and in this is the weak doge versus very strong buff doge meme so you got the weak doge in 2008 saying oof 2008 we made some bad loans and in 2022 we have ripped very strong doge and that caption is the global economy is a gigantic Ponzi scheme
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah things seem worse this time Mm -hmm. around is this what this is implying?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like, oh, 2008, that's cute. The entire global economy is a Ponzi. Different
0: <laughs> order of magnitude we're dealing with in yeah, these uh, uh-huh. 2020s. And I uh, thought this one
1: was a nice continuation. So this is a, a cartoon illustration of what is a, like a Wall Street banker with a suit and tie standing on top of a pile of money pointing down at a lady holding a Bitcoin sign. And this banker is saying, your Ponzi scheme is killing the environment. And I thought that that was just a nice way to round this uh, this meme of the week off.
0: Yeah, I guess it's just a matter of preference in terms of which Ponzi do you prefer? Because it's all Ponzi's all the way down. That's, a, that's what mm-hmm. it seems like, David.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: All right, well, this is the time to remind folks after we just talked about Ponzi that <laughs> uh, crypto is risky, all right? You could lose what you put in. So is Bitcoin, so is ETH, so is DeFi. This is definitely not for the faint of heart. It's not for everyone. But we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey thanks a lot
1: hey we hope you enjoyed the video if you did head over to bankless hq right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence we recommend joining our daily newsletter podcast and community as a bankless premium subscriber to get the most out of your bankless experience You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, Ask Me Anythings, and weekly roll-ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the Bankless Nation.